we might want to talk about. Well, hey, on a long journey, sometimes you need to take a little break. Marathons have what I'm told are called water stations. And welcome to a special water station episode of the Theranathon. <laughs> I think my segue was very solid. Uh, basically, what we're going to do today is we are just overwhelmed with atomic blondness. So we want to take a little break from talking about our favorite lady and discuss other female-led action movies of different subgenres. I've been told. <laughs> We're going to try to keep it relatively light. This is kind of, if you haven't seen these movies before, because surprisingly, movies with female leads are often, don't get the credit they deserve. That's right. So we're going to talk about them. We have pulled such gems as the Regina Connolly favorite, Salt, starring Angelina Jolie. Haywire, starring... Gina Carano. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Michael Fassbender. And so many other really good people. Really good cast, yeah. Cast of many excellent men. <laughs> and... Her and her. Yeah. Uh, and I uh, I actually watched a series of movies because I was looking for a very specific thing that I have absolutely no sensitivity to, so I don't know why I bothered. But I watched Kill Bill, Hannah, and I also watched Ghost in the Shell, but immediately dismissed it because of how boring and disgustingly racist it was. Um, <laughs> so I'll talk about that. But yes, those are the movies. I have Kill Bill Part 1 only, I should say. I suspect we'll we'll throw in a little reference to Wonder Woman or two. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just as you guys may remember, we very much enjoyed Atomic Blonde. Yeah. And this is fun because we are recording after its opening weekend, and like Regina said, it didn't do very well. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna come in third or fourth place. Made about half as much as the emoji movie. Yeah. Oh god, <laughs> I really wish I could have gone my whole life without hearing or knowing that sentence to be true. <laughs> guys, I hate to be like, give a movie your money as a statement, but please see Atomic Blonde. It's so good. And even if it's not your favorite thing, like, wouldn't it be nice if these movies were more regular? Yeah. Also, the criticisms I've seen of it, I find so confounding. They're like, oh, she's very, she's very cold and not emotionally driven. And I'm like, but did you watch the same movie I did? That wasn't a necessary element. Right. And also, that's considered to be a good thing in a James Bond movie. Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand. I've... Lots of people have said it's very it's very style over substance, which I also think is untrue. I also, but what style? It has a that's lot of sort style. Of where, that's where I fall down on that issue. I'm yeah. like, I do think it had some substance, but I'll take that amount of style with no substance any day. Right. I agree. Also, the more I think about it, the less I actually think that this movie is comparable to John Wick, even though I think that the comparisons are inevitable because of the Stylishness and violence. And the director. Ah, yes. And I think that that will tie it in. But I think there's a fundamental difference between a revenge movie and a spy movie. Mm. Um, and so I think that, although I said before that I think 
Atomic Blonde is Salt and John Wick together. I think it's much more comparable to Salt. I agree. And it's... Salt, if you haven't seen it, which I don't think anyone but me and you two have. <laughs> I've only seen it because Regina made me for this episode. <laughs> but oh, I... is that the first time you That's saw the first time it? I oh saw my it. god! Yes. <laughs> I, I didn't did, know that. I did really enjoy it. It did not totally live up to Regina's levels of praise. <laughs> it will I had the to, second go around. I had to check myself at some point and think, A... Just because I don't like this as much as Regina doesn't mean that I'm not enjoying it. And B, like, it, it sort of made me be like, I'd rather watch Atomic Blonde right now. But yeah. it's a, it is a different movie because it, that is, it is a plotty movie. Yes. Right? Also, I, so I remembered when I rewatched it last night that the very first time I saw it, I was super, I was like, I'm enjoying this, but I'm really distracted. Like, is she good? Is she Russian? Not that that's synonymous with bad in the real world, but it is in this movie. Like, Mm. I didn't understand what was going on, but I think watching it again when you know exactly what happens, it makes it more enjoyable, actually. I think when you get rid of some of the mystery elements, you can focus on other things. And I do think that some of, like, the visual sequences... I can't say they don't hold up because I don't think they worked then. Like when she's free falling down the elevator, oh, she gosh. looked so stupid. Okay, and like just unrealistic. And I know like we see a ton of really unrealistic stuff in action movies and we just accept it. But I just could not stop thinking about how she would be dislocating her shoulders. Over and over. Yeah, like I you you can't do that to your body. And they could have <laughs> chosen a different way to get her down. Yeah. Like I think like one of the strengths of that movie is her resourcefulness. Like, she does have a go bag at some point, yeah. but, like, it's mostly her being like, I have to figure shit out on the fly. But I was a bit like, I don't know, bring a rope with you? That seems like something you could have brought. I, I don't know. agree. I was yeah. obsessed with the spider venom. Yeah! <laughs> I was like, just tell me when it's happening! <laughs> and so I was a little disappointed that it was, like, a retroactive use of the spider venom. Yeah. But, like, that was a very distracting thing for me. I was like, who's gonna get killed by spider venom? Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers, no one. No one. Uh-huh. Well, one of the things that I love about Salt is it picks up so quickly. Like, I think it's such oh, yeah. a fast-paced action movie, and it's so well marked out. Like, I think the opening chase sequence uh, we've talked about before is one of, I think, my favorite. Where she's jumping from overpass to overpass on top of trucks. Before yes. that and including Okay, because so, I love that part. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's the kind of unrealistic action where I eat it up. Yes. Yeah, but it only just, just, like, teeters over the edge of right. superhuman. Like, right. It's mostly pretty convincing and logical and legible. Well, I mean, humans are actually doing that, right? So, mm-hmm. like, because, like, that's, cases, like, oh, really? You yeah, think there's, that defi- they... there's definitely a few green screen CGI bits. Oh, okay. Yeah. CGI cop CGI cop <laughs> On the beat. <laughs> but, like, so that sequence, like, so uh, the premise of the movie is that she's a CIA agent and a Russian defects and comes in and, like, blows her cover, or does he, and is like, you're a Russian spy. And so all of a sudden her own people are after her and she's like, I have to make sure that my husband is okay. And so that launches like a very, I think, intense action sequence. And the thing that I like about this movie is I don't know many female-led action movies where the protagonist is solely driven by revenge for their partner. Like, I think this is one where the genders are very often swapped in other movies. Right. Like, spoilers, guys, Jason Bourne 2 onward. Yeah. Um, R.I.P. Franca Patente. Oh, yeah, she was the best. In those movies, she's still alive. And mm-hmm. I just... So this movie also was originally written... To have a man in I think Tom Cruise, right? I think so. And I can imagine that Tom Cruise would have insisted on jumping onto his own truck. Yes. (laughs) 
And I think that if Tom Cruise or Matt Damon or even Frogface McGee starred in this movie, that it would have had sequels. Because I don't think it is any more absurd to be like, oh, a Russian sleeper agent? God, that movie's unrealistic. Than super soldier Jason Bourne. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's outside of the the acceptable realm of successful action movies. Right. But I think people are like, mm, that's an Angelina Jolie vehicle. Mm, how annoying that she's trying to do an action movie. We all hate Tomb Raider or something. <laughs> yeah, I don't really know what... I, I remember when it came out and everyone was like, uh, it's the Lady Jason Bourne. And it's sort of, but not uh, really. But why would you even go, ah? Uh, exactly, why would you yeah. be like, hooray! Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I don't understand people's grudge against it. But yeah, it did not do well. It was basically buried. And it's very obvious that it was set up to be the start of a oh, franchise. Yeah. Oh, right. And I think part of the reason I'm such an evangelist for it is because I'm like, it should have been. I would have watched all of them. And that is one of the movies where I'm just like, mm, if it had been a dude in that role, I think that would have been way more successful. Yeah. So I picked out Haywire, and I love this movie. It's Steven Soderbergh joint, and it's starring Gina Carano, who is an MMA fighter. And I guess that most people's main criticism of this is that she's a bad actress, but I find her woodenness very charming, and in my brain, that's just what her character is like. Yeah, it's used to the advantage of her character. Correct. I yes, I think they did an excellent job of making it a skill and not a deficit. Right. But I also think when she is acting opposite many charismatic actors, mm. it's sometimes... It, like, I think when she's alone on screen or interacting with the lackey in her car, it's fine. Okay. But when she's, like, having a conversation over drinks with Michael Fassbender, it didn't work for okay. me. Okay. It works for me. She is the only human woman in the film. That mm -hmm. is yep. something of a drawback. Like, even when they go to a big party... Like, there are only men there. It's so weird. <laughs> but it's a very stylish movie, and you know, it's Steven Soderbergh and, like, The Limey. It's the same writer as The Limey, also. Oh, yeah, so it's... it's And it has a big, beautiful house in it, too. So yeah. um, a lot of parallels. And it's 90 minutes long. Yes. Yeah. Love that feature, because today I was like, oh, I'm going to watch a Good Parts version of Haywire. And then I was like, no, I'm going to watch Haywire. That's what I did. <laughs> I was just like, oh, just Good Parts. Oh, I remember this is an awesome action sequence. And I think my favorite part of Haywire is it, towards the beginning, they're doing a job of rescuing someone. And rather than like really show you all the details and everyone talking, they sort of like make that sequence a prequel to a chase. Yeah. And they just are sort of like, eh, we just have some music. It's all in black and white. Like, you don't really need to see this. But it keeps it, I think, exciting. Yeah. And then there's a chase scene, and it's one of the few in movies that I have seen, which is not all of them, but where they really take their time. Like, she runs him down. Yeah. And they just show her running and, like, slowly narrowing the gap, like, through the streets of Barcelona. And you wouldn't necessarily think that just watching a woman jog right into the camera would be captivating. But it's it's really, I don't know, I think it's really well done and it seems more like that's what ch running someone down would be like. I also like the other scene where she is being run down. Yes. And she does a lot of walking. Mm -hmm. Which they always talk about in these movies. Like, yeah. you know, don't run because you'll be noticed. Just walk. But it's really cool to see that happen and how tense that must be to, like, know that people are after you and you can't run. Yes. Yeah. And then whenever she is around a corner and can run, like, she books it. It's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Well, this both this movie and Salt do something very interesting, which is where they show how you systematically can chase or escape. Yeah. So Salt does that that opening chase sequence, like you see them systematically boxing, boxing her in mm -hmm. around the streets of uh, DC and then 
the opening of Haywire, you see her like systematically like closing that gap, like meter by meter by meter right. until she catches up. It's really interesting. I think that's the thing that most filmmakers don't think about. They're like, oh, I know what's exciting, watching people like go through this sequence. And I'm like, it's not exciting for me to watch people run or to watch cars go after them. It's to think through like, oh my god, their options are narrowing. Or, right. Oh my god, like right. there are stakes to this. I mean, the, yeah, the polar opposite of those, those sequences is the opening sequence of Casino Royale, where it's just... Daniel Craig barging through walls and like running and jumping in parkour and you're like well this is not like I get that's impressive but it's not interesting to there's no like actual system towards what they're actually doing it's mostly luck and brute force yeah I'm cool with luck and brute force also but I agree that the intellectual part of this is super interesting yeah Uh, the other thing that Haywire does I find really interesting is that it makes you watch the background a lot yeah because in like the scenes where there's a lot of like going from A to B scenes uh, and you find yourself like like she is apparently like looking around like making sure she's not being followed and like people undercover like maybe like looking out uh, looking out for her and it makes you like watch the background like every car that comes around a corner you're like maybe this got someone in it everyone every person who goes past her and like looks at her stuff like this you're like are all these people any one of them could be someone who is about to you know yeah. launch an attack on her uh, so like it makes you kind of paranoid those like scenes that could be easily construed as being just dull walking from A to B scenes but actually you're fully engaged the whole time yeah. I've never seen any other movie do that. Yeah. <laughs> so the movies I watched, I think I'm actually going to substitute Kill Bill for Hannah as my primary choice because when I watched Kill Bill... I was volume like, 1. Volume 1. I was like... This volume is... 2 is trash. I, I think I actually maybe like Volume 2 better, but uh, I was like, uh, Volume 1 is not as good as I remember it being. Can I have a sub-note very quickly? Yes. So I, I want to be a conscientious objector. I refused to watch Kill Bill and I had debated its rightness of being on this list. Listeners, you can also decide whether or not it's a female-led action movie. Because I know that Uma Thurman is a badass in it, but I feel like films like Kill Bill, where the director, Tarantino, Mm -hmm. is such a presence in it, that he basically, like, seeps in. And for me, it's a Tarantino movie. But Bob had good reasons for wanting to do it, and he took one for the team and watching it again, even though he's the one who least objected to watching it again. So, yeah, I I don't know why. Like, I would have defended this movie to death um, if... I hadn't watched it again recently because I was not impressed the second time I watched it. And I kind of remembered, like, oh, the dialogue is clunky, but I thought it was stylized. But Quentin Tarantino is a master of stylized dialogue, and the dialogue in this is just bad. Oh, really? It's not good at all. I don't know if it has maybe, like, a Lynchian quality to it where it's better in your memory than it is upon (laughs) actually watching it. Apologies to Mike Rubino in advance for your heartbreak. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so I was watching this, I was like, this is not actually very good, which I was surprised at. So I kind of, like, knocked it down a peg. But your point is extremely valid about how it's not really... Uma Thurman's character isn't really a character because all the characters are Quentin Tarantino, which is true of a lot of Quentin Tarantino movies. Um, So... Yeah, I was happy, after I watched it, happy to knock it down. Uh, I also watched Ghost in the Shell, um, which is extraordinarily boring and incredibly beautiful, but it's exactly as predictable as you think it's going to be. Like, you know every single thing that is going to happen in it within three seconds of Mm. being introduced to every character. So that was really boring. And it was also despicably racist, even more racist than I thought it was going to be, which is, I thought it was just going to be, oh, Scarlett Johansson plays an Asian character and she's not really Asian, oh, they've substituted it for a white character. But it's even worse than that, because almost all the characters are white. There's maybe two or three prominent Asian characters in it, and they're all secondary. But there is also a 
plot point where two of the white characters are supposed to have been formerly Asian characters, and now their enhanced versions are white. The implications of which are staggeringly horrible. Ah. So, and I'm like, the, there's, oh. it's indefensible. And I'm just like, you can try and say that, oh, well, that's the evil corporation that has made that choice. But that evil corporation is not real. It was written by a real person and they don't get to be racist by proxy. Like, oh. it is horrible. So that's getting completely scrubbed. All of our faces are very scrunched up right <laughs> oh, now. Oh, that's, that's gross. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, uh... it's uncomfortable. Like, I'm often, like, as a white man, not very sensitive to things like that in movies. But that really, like, put my porcupine spines up. It was horrible. So anyway, Hannah is a rather delightful movie. It's somewhat art housey. I did not like Hannah. Really? I I didn't watch it again for this. I might have if I had more time. When I when I watched it, you know, a year or so after it came out, mm-hmm. I was like really interested in it. It looked really cool. It, it has a cool beautiful. premise. It is pretty. Yeah. And I really like evil Kate Blanchett. Yes. Oh, okay, so what a great genre. Yes. <laughs> so I was into it, but like it bored me. Basically, it was one of those movies where I didn't connect with the characters mm-hmm. and felt like it was kind of heavy-handed in a way that I was like not getting into. Mm-hmm. So I again, I like don't even remember it that well because I just but I just remember not liking it very much I remember that they use in the Hall of the Mountain King a lot yeah heavy handed is definitely true it is directed by Joe Wright who also directed Atonement Ah. and the new Pride and Prejudice with Keira Knightley in it Uh. (laughs) sorry I had to sneak in a one sound review for a movie we're not talking about which is (laughs) is that Atonement or Pride and Prejudice I never saw Atonement but I feel confident it's a double use so yeah it does have a pretty green dress in it though it does have James McAvoy who I apparently want to like but hate all of his movies that aren't Penelope (laughs) (laughs) so yeah his movies often get that kind of response and not necessarily unjustified. Oh, he so. also did the Anna Karenina, which I loved, which oh, I, I cut my rant out of last week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I love and hate Anna Karenina. <laughs> Stupid Aaron Taylor Johnson, you ruin everything! <laughs> I like when you set yourself up to have more work. <laughs> I was like, guys, we have to keep this recording down. <laughs> but uh, but what I wanted to bring up, uh, I wanted to ask why it was you didn't connect to the character and mm. what it is about movies where you do connect to the characters. Like, That's a great question. So I think that, and again, I'm like, I don't remember this movie super clearly. There's not but a lot happens in it. <laughs> what, yeah. So I feel like, and this applies to Salt also, like they were raised to be perfect, right? Mm. Then th- that makes them feel like different from me and then i think does she like have a little doll or something uh maybe (laughs) i might be just thinking of like tropes but they're really human under it all bits okay or just seem kind of cheesy and like i don't think i really connected with evelyn salt i don't think i like connected with her like ah our lives so similar no (laughs) i'm more like i i just thought she was a badass right and i really I, I really like that she was like, I don't give a shit about America. I don't give a shit about Russia. I love my husband. 
and you guys killed him, so I'm gonna fuck your shit up. Yeah. Because I like a simple revenge movie. Yeah. I don't know what other simple revenge movies. I mean, that that movie starts off not being about revenge. Exactly. And then becomes about it afterwards. So yeah. that's even more interesting. Yeah, and I just, like I said, like I don't see a lot of movies where the male character is 100% there to just be like, I taught you how to love, and I love you. Oh, I've died! What's gonna <laughs> happen to you now? You're untethered and full of rage and skills at killing. Yeah. Well, that's one of the other things I liked about Hannah is Hannah is not a revenge movie. It's just about her. She deserves to have a life of her own. Yeah. But she is persecuted because she was genetically modified or made or whatever. Right. So, yeah, I mean, the movie itself is its a very simple story. Is she wants to not live in a shack in the woods. Right. So she, uh, like, turns on her... Her father is a spy who has raised her to live in the woods. She turns on a transponder because she believes she is ready to go out into the world and be chased and like fight her persecutors, which is evil Kate Blanchett. And then she does so and does so. Uh, that's the story. And she travels far and wide, and like it's kind of road trippy in its way. And it's beautiful. Like it's really atmospheric. It is beautiful in a different way that Ghost in the Shell is, but it is like it's the kind of action movie my mum would make. There's lots of peeling paint and damp foliage. Are there animal skulls? Are there uh, bones that you serve cheese on? There, <laughs> yeah, there might be. She does live in a shack at your, some point. Your mother serves cheese on bones? She does all kinds of it. She, she has a collection <laughs> of dead animal things that cool. she occasionally uses as silverware. Cool. Uh, yeah, so... Um, Topical for all of our listeners. <laughs> indeed. But yeah, it's interesting that, that neither of those characters uh, resonated with you, because I wanted to talk about how... A lot of female-led action movies, or specifically Wonder Woman and the new Ghostbusters movie, a lot of people have talked about, or I certainly heard people I know talk about how they get really emotional over I it. cried during both of those movies. Yeah. And I wanted to know what it is that made that happen that doesn't happen in the other movies that we've talked about. Okay. I have a potentially confusing metaphor for like why I think... The- oh, good. <laughs> Robin, I hope you are ready as well. I, I love it. Let's so do it. So my potentially confusing metaphor for like why I saw... Like, watching Ghostbusters was really meaningful to me, and watching Wonder Woman also, like, when they had, like, the battle on the beach, I definitely was like, I'm crying? (laughs) Like, there was just something about it that, like, really hit a lot of levels. And I think, like, imagine, (laughs) if you will, eating Chips Ahoy cookies, like, your whole life, and you're like, oh, like, these are good. I can see why people enjoy cookies. Sure, they're tasty. I'll have some more. They're not, like, that great for me or whatever. And then out of nowhere, like, someone gives you, like, a home-baked, special, like, delicious chocolate chip cookie, like, straight from the oven. And you're like, oh, is this what everyone else has been having all this time? And I feel like watching dude-led action movies where I'm like, I enjoy this. I like action movies. I like to see people do spy shit. I'm into it. But there was something about seeing all the Amazons doing it that just was, like, touching a lot of different levels and felt, like, more custom and crafted for me, I guess. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense that I enjoy those other ones. They were definitely still good movies. But this just felt a little richer and had more depth to it. And, I don't know, I just related to it more. That's a really beautiful metaphor. I don't know if it is a perfect metaphor, but it's the best I could do. Is it because of feeling represented on screen? I think that's a part of it. And I think it's there's something different about seeing someone like like because guys full disclosure i can't touch my toes so like it's not like watching these women i'm like i I could do that right i always think about that i i'm like yeah so i badass women i am not one of them (laughs) (laughs) i love to watch you work i also love to sit and watch so we're not really on the same scale here 
But yeah, I do think there is there is something about that. Like, I am someone who grew up, like, every time I played a video game, I was like, well, Sonya Blaze is my only option, yeah. so that's who I will be. And I don't even think as a kid, I was like, I hadn't thought it through. I was just like, well, yeah, no, like, she'll kill people with her legs. Great, I'll pick her. Yeah. I don't know. So I do think that, that the representation is part of it. So my potentially confusing analogy from the perspective of a heterosexual white man in his 30s is... Um, I don't know if you've ever known anyone who, like, came out of the closet late in their life. Yeah. I had a co-worker who did this, and uh, it, he would get, like, in the break room, be, like, talking to female co-workers and be like, so, like, I met this guy, and, like, he texted me back, and, like, he would get, like, really flustered and excited and like, exhilarated by the whole thing, and I'd be, like, overhearing and listening and be like, dude, you're... 35. Like, what is happening to you right now? Oh, wow. I he thought you were talking giddy. about somebody who was, like, 80. Like, Christopher Plummer in Beginners. Oh, great movie. You should watch it. I should watch that. But, so, that, that sort of happening, and I was like, well, it's not because he's, he's not, he's not unable to control it. It's that he is having an experience specifically for him, like, at a level and a quality that I had when I was a child. Yeah. So when I was a child and I had a reciprocated crush, I got all a flutter and da da da. I mean, an but appropriately then... aged child. <laughs> <laughs> With an, another, yes. Anyway, did I say underage child? No, you just, like, you just say, like, you have a crush as a child. I, when I hear child, I think, like, child. So, like, teenager. That, that makes it less weird for me. Sure. <laughs> Sorry. It was, it was a mutually aged reciprocal crush. <laughs> but... That's a phenomenon that happens. Is you become yeah. all of that and you can't control your emotions and it just kind of sputters out of you. Uh, and so when I see women talking about the Ghostbusters movie getting emotional over it or Wonder Woman like weeping at seeing the thing on the fighting on the beach, I'm like, yeah, it was a good scene. But the difference is that that scene is made for you. It's made to represent you in that that space and it's you're experiencing that at a quality that I have experienced as a child, as a heterosexual white man all action movies represent me mm. and so i've had that experience at a young age much like my reciprocal mutually appropriate crush <laughs> so i want to know if that was an, an accurate analogy or i think not. so okay i i mean and i think one thing i did want to point out is that you know ghostbusters and wonder woman they're specifically heroic Yes. And I think another thing that was relevant to me for Ghostbusters is that it's a comedy movie. Yeah. Because I am a woman in comedy. Yeah, I think that also, like, selfishly plays a role for me. Like, Ghostbusters was also, like, there was just so much talk beforehand of, like, this movie was going to prove whether or not women could be funny. And, like, that comes up a lot. It's very annoying. And it's very (laughs) annoying. But so I felt like when I was seeing it and it was successful for me, I was just kind of like... Well, whew, we can wait another couple of years until people are once again convinced that women can't be funny and then we'll do this all over again. Right. And Wonder Woman, I think for me, I think part of the reason I was crying, like I I really liked Wonder Woman. Like I was very into comic books for a while in college and Wonder and Woman. most into Wonder Woman, if I recall correctly. Uh, and Daredevil. They were oh, my gosh. Jam. But so, and I said even back then, because like that's when superhero movies were starting to like dominate our life. I was like, they're never going to make a good Wonder Woman movie. I remember having this conversation. (laughs) Yeah. And I was just like, her backstory is so convoluted and they're not going to do it justice. And I also am a big proponent of you don't need a backstory. Just start in the middle of it. Like if we just had a movie where Wonder Woman was already Wonder Woman, we would have been fine with it. Yeah. Uh, We get it. Please see the Joker. Yeah. Like you don't (laughs) need to, you can just start 
like with that person as a hero. And right. this was because like at the time, like every single superhero movie was an origin story. Right. And so I think part of the the emotionalness of watching that movie was like, I was wrong. Yeah. Like they they succeeded in a way that I didn't. And right. I remember being particularly furious after I saw Thor, which I like, because I was like See, it's you can big. just make this crazy world that has a rainbow crystal bridge. Then why can't you make them mascara? Like they're equally right. like people will accept whatever you put up there as long as you do it right. So yeah. Anyway, I I think those movies stood out in a way. Like when I watched Salt, I wasn't like, oh my god, shut yeah. up, man. But <laughs> I loved that movie because like that is like that's a genre of movie I'm really into. Well, I similarly enjoy Haywire so much more than I would have. I think I'd like that movie anyway if mm-hmm. there were a dude in a role. It's like just kind of a cool movie with good fights in it. Yeah. And it's 90 minutes long. But the reason that I, like, I bought it on DVD, right? Like, yeah. it's because mm-hmm. there's a woman in it. But. Yeah, and I think that particularly because she's an MMA fighter. Yeah. Like, there is something about seeing fights that are, like, real fights. Yeah. And that are shot better. And that is something where I think having just watched Atomic Blonde, I was like, oh, uh, Angelina Jolie. A good act, like an, I think a great actress and right. a good action star, but like the fights in that are not comparable no. to the fights in Atomic Blonde, which also like this is a movie from seven years ago and it had different right. roles, but like the fights in Haywire are just so engrossing. Like her fight with Michael Fassbender in the hotel room is, is brutal, is amazing. I think that's a better fight than the hotel room fight in Atomic Blonde. It's more real. I love that fight because it's like the one in Haywire because it was so gross and yeah. real and like very undignified and that is a thing i also look for in like lady action movies like i like an atomic blonde that she is broken up yeah like she's got bruises her face is mangled and in salt like the the very first time you see her she's being tortured in a prison camp and her eye is like totally messed up completely swollen shut it's so gross and the last time you see her she's like covered in blood yeah and like bruises and that is a thing like that they don't often do yeah. like I like Alias or I did for a while, but like Sydney Bristow, other than getting her teeth ripped out, which is horrifying, like was was always very pretty, and they didn't let her kill people. Yeah, by and large, and right. I was like, no, 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 let them kill people and get bloody. <laughs> I don't know why that's the thing I want. I'm sorry, I'm weird saying it. No, because it's I it's is what the story plausibly demands, right? Yeah, that's it's violence. Let it be violent. I also thought a lot watching these movies about how much I like fight choreography and how, like, I will often say, like, I don't like violent movies. And apparently that just becomes completely untrue as long as it is people in combat. Like, (laughs) like, I I don't know. I guess I don't, I, I don't know what it is. I remember, so I did see Kill Bill in theaters when it came out, and I remember, like, being on that train, Yeah, but also having an aversion to violent movies, Yeah, people being like, why can you watch Kill Bill? And I think that there, for me, is a difference if the violence is, like, cartoonish in a way, Yeah, where I'm sort of like, that doesn't feel realistic, or, like, I would say in Salt, or in Atomic Blonde, or Haywire, like, the collateral damage, like, the people that are hurt in those movies are part of the story. Yeah. Whereas I think, like, movies that are very violent towards, like, innocence, I find harder to watch. That's why I didn't like Kingsman. Or one of the many reasons I didn't like Kingsman. (laughs) Uh, I have a question for you, Bob Shields. Did you feel like watching these movies, like, where you heard, like, people like us being like, oh my god, it's the best! Did you feel like you were missing something? Did it make you feel like, uh, like, I don't know, that we were having an experience that, like, is not accessible to you? Or did you still find, like, was this a Chips Ahoy for you? So, um, 
kind of. I mean, not really. So, I, so I think I don't know how to describe it. So, obviously, Wonder Woman was very, very, very good and vastly better than Ghostbusters. So I agreed. Uh, so I enjoyed watching Wonder Woman. As like, I think I'm just removed from it. Like, I, I just doesn't. I just have no sensitivity to the uh, you know what what it is you get from it whatsoever. So, but I do still enjoy the movie. So, like, I still obviously think Haywire is great. I very much like Atomic Blonde um, and very much like Wonder Woman. Um, And I enjoyed watching Ghostbusters with you guys because you guys liked it so much. Mm. I'm curious if, like, 30 years from now, if we are all still here. (laughs) 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 Um, If, like, 30, like, like, little girls who are growing up who are, like, having these movie experiences at, like, a formative age in the same way that you would have had them watching Mm -hmm. James Bond movies or whatever, if their experience of watching movies when they are our age will be different. If, like, if there will be, like, a Wonder Woman equivalent where they'll be like, I'm weeping because I'm on screen. Or if they'll just be like, yeah, I haven't seen that. Yeah. Fucking forever. And then something we did want to talk about is how all of these female-led action movies we're talking about are all white female action movies. Yeah. (laughs) So... Obviously, representation still has a long, long, long way to go. We're really excited about Proud Mary. Yes. Guys, we don't deserve a lot in this world because things are so beautiful and true. And one of those things is Taraji P. Henson. She is the greatest human not named Charlize Theron. And I think she could give Charlize a run for her money. I would love them to just get coffee and chat and for me to just braid each other's hair. Uh, No, I don't want her to touch her hair. (laughs) That would be wrong. Okay, fair enough. Just maybe champagne. Let's just they'll drink champagne. Paint each other's nails? Yeah, sure. There we go. Great. <laughs> That's not traumatic for anyone. Yeah, I I'm, I'm excited for Proud Mary. Yeah. Uh, also, I don't I do want to acknowledge that I think some of the reason that the movies that we're talking about uh, are just white lady movies is probably because of a lack of knowledge on my part. Right. Like I have never seen Pam Kruger movies. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I also like I remember like Lucy Liu's action phase like before charlie's angels like didn't she do that movie with mel gibson where she's like a total badass in it or something mm, but i feel sounds like she's true i feel like she's probably like the closest to like i don't know if she's had a lucy lou is there a lucy lou action vehicle where she was the star well there really should have been there let's say that yes been. i like that is another i i know like a lot of this podcast is like hey that person is great but guys lucy lou why can't we put her in another thing where it's like hey she really is she's great. she's directing a lot now yeah, she was also yeah. really wonderful on Elementary. Oh, so there was a movie called Ballistic XV Sever, which is supposed to be one of the worst movies of all time. Oh yeah, yeah. That. I've never. That heard was of after Charlie's Angels. Charlie's, Charlie's Angels. Angels? <laughs> oh, I'd watch that. <laughs> we have veered. Okay, that's. Uh, I was going to say both of these movies and other like the the cast in them is very good. Yeah. Like, I th- like Salt has Liv Schreiber, Schreiber. God, I never say it right. Salt has Liv Schreiber in it. Is that Liv? how you say it? Liv Schreiber? I thought it was Liv. It's L-I-E-V. Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> what? He's in it. He's great. Uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor. Never not amazing. Always good. What a good actor. so much to it. And he takes it so seriously. It's such a silly little movie, and he has a relatively minor (laughs) character, and you can tell that he's, like, created an extensive backstory for this man. Yeah. And his final scene with Char- Uh, whoop. His final scene with- (laughs) Uh With with Angelina- 
I still think it's one of my favorite parts of this movie is that when she's convincing him that everything that happened, uh, she's the good guy in it and that no one else would believe her. The way that she does it is basically being like, you're smart, figure it out. Like, right. she does not argue her case at all. She's just like, you know better. Like, think things through. And I think that is a great tactic. Yeah. <laughs> that is a theme I think that comes in all of these movies is I would say that for the most part, like, they don't talk that much. Yeah. Yeah. That's true of, as I mean, they talk too much in Kill Bill, uh, but in Hannah, the same thing applies. Like, they don't, she doesn't really talk very much. Uh, she starts off, like, trying to talk too much and then learns not to. Uh, and, like, the parts of that movie that you actually remember the most are the quiet parts where she's just kind of, like, sauntering around yeah. and, like, making her way places. Um, do we want to bring? No. Yeah. Let's just Let's say we like movies with females kicking the shit out of people. Correct. <laughs> I also generally don't like saying female, I w- except for in female action movies. I was just going to say, I said females, and then I inwardly cringed. Yeah, <laughs> women. Women. Mm-hmm. Women. Yeah, it, But women-led action movies? Is, that that's sense. fine. All right. Yeah. Female-led action movie is probably more grammatically accurate. I don't know. I usually yeah. find that the use of that word gross, but for some reason... It's, that... w- it's when you use it as a noun that it's really Blah. problematic, That's which is what I just did. So uh, let's give a one-sound review for okay. woman or female-led action movies. <laughs> okay. Yay! <laughs> so I hope you feel energized and reinvigorated and ready to get back on the track with Charlie's Theron Marathon. Yeah. Uh, also known as the Theronathon. We'll be coming back next week with talking about horror movies. Yeah. Again. Thanks. Thank you to Alex Reed for our amazing theme music. Uh, thank you to Robin Elaine Hitchcock, who I didn't introduce at the beginning, but she is a co-host. Oh, that's right. I am in this show. And Bob Shields, also co-host in this show. And, and thank you to Regina Connolly. Yeah, go on. <laughs> and even though she wasn't featured centrally, I would still like to say... She is She is making the landscape far better for yes. this kind of movie. That's yeah. right. Thank, thank you, Charlies. trying to hint that I should start my section. No, I didn't. I, didn't. <laughs> I was just like, you you had the face that people make when they have something they really need to say and can't say it. And I was like, just say it. We'll cut it out. <laughs> no, I was just thinking about how much I love Wonder Woman. Okay. No, but... Uh, what made you think of that? Just because we're talking about movies with ladies kicking stuff. Oh, okay. <laughs> Guys, have you seen Ladies Do Spin Kicks? Yay. <laughs> anyway, all that's going to go. You guys... <laughs> That's going to be the end, the after, <laughs> after sequence. That I, that I can accept. <laughs> okay.